I'm on the back end of a cold, so actually, I'm, I'm pretty happy that I'm alive this week. <laughs> oh, it's, it's fighting a good fight, though. Um, this morning, as I was preparing for this today, I was actually thinking about a whole bunch of stuff, and uh, I, I was listening to Asher pray, and, you know, thank you for the Pastor Martin giving us the message, and, and I was I was like, I, I got thinking to myself, I was like, you know, I, I read it. I always read ahead of where the pastor's going with his messages and that. And I, I giggled because in Ephesians 4.11, we're going to hear about how great of a gift the pastor is to us, right? And because uh, it, it talks about the gifts that God gave us and it's prophets and pastors and teachers. And, and uh, so I'm thinking the pastor's going to talk to us and we'll, as he says, submit to his teaching but I, I don't do it quite the same as he does, right? But yeah, so as I was preparing for the sermon today, I, I, I read Hebrews quite a while ago uh, in the summertime, and a particular passage in there jumped out at me, and every time I've been preparing a sermon since then, I have taken it, Hebrews 5.11, right to heart. I don't know if any of you recall what Hebrews 5.11 says, but it was if I was to just say that from the pulpit to you guys and just leave it at that, I think some of you would be a little bit upset because, I mean, it says that I would love to talk about the priesthood of Christ, but I've heard you guys aren't that smart and I just, we can't really go down that road because you're not ready for that. You're still like children and you can't handle this, this big topic. And I got thinking about that and I'm like, I've heard a lot of preachers preach on it, but when you really think about it, are we in that position where we're, we're so coddled that we get together and we will, all we want to hear about is how great Christ is? And I mean, that's, that's nice to hear. And talk about the salvation of Christ, which we all know about. That's why we're here, right? And how wonderful it is to be part of the family of God. Those are all wonderful, warm, fuzzy things, but... Are we really dealing with stuff? Like, are we tackling things that are relevant first to, to what we're going through in this day and age? But more importantly, is it challenging us? Do we leave each week challenged? Challenged to further your, your relationship with Christ? Further your relationship with God? Further your relationship with other members of his family? Like, see, we, we are the church. This building is not the church. We are the church. We are a generation, and I'm going to touch on this a little bit later. We are that generation that has not died off. It's a continuing generation, and it's going to continue on until the second coming. And that leads us into the passage that I'm, I'm going to preach from today, which is Matthew 24. It's a big passage, and I'm not going to read the whole thing because... Well, I'm just not, I won't, put you, I won't put you through that. But Matthew 24, um, it, the, the, it's, it follows right after Christ just rips into the Sadducees and Pharisees, right? Matthew 23, Christ is rebuking the Sadducees and Pharisees, and he's always, he, he's like, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees and you hypocrites. And he's, he's ripping into them, talking to about how they're so hypocritical. 
how they, they're so concerned with the stuff, right? The appearance, their outward appearance, right? And that paints a picture for us of who these individuals were. But then he, after he rips into them, he laments for Jerusalem at the end of that chapter, in chapter 23. Then it brings us into chapter 24 where he moves away from that and he goes out with the disciples and he talks about things. He talks about the end times. And I think that when I was talking about Hebrews 5.11, things that are relevant, I think this is a relevant topic because we need to be looking forward to the second coming. So Jesus then moves apart and he talks about the destruction of the temple with his, his disciples. And then he talks about the signs of the end of the age. And then he talks about a great tribulation. So, and it, it's, it's neat because our Bible's broken down into sections a lot of times and we can see where the, the shift changes in the, uh, in the discussion. I'm going to pick up at verse 29 about the coming of the Son of Man. And immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the heaven uh, and, and then all of the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When the branch has already become tender, it puts forth its leaves, and you know summer is near. So also, when you see all these things, know that the, it is near at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will not by no means pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words by no means pass away. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, but my Father only. But as in the days of Noah were, also will the second coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage until that day Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken, the other one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken, the other one left. Watch, therefore, for you do not know what hour the Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house knew, know, had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. And that is the word of God. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this word. We thank you for your revelation to us. We thank you for your continued guidance. And Father, we ask that you continue to reveal yourself to us, live in us and through us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So, 
I'm just going to start with asking a question, and you can reflect on it over the course of the message. But do you think that we can be judgmental sometimes? That we can, we tend to be judgmental? Um, a lot of times we'll pass judgment on something before we get all of the facts, right? And I know I find that I do that from time to time. And then after I find all the facts out, I realize that I was right and that I had <laughs> But, but, it's right, right. Well, we kept all the rabble in one corner today, right? So, but the, uh, but it comes, it, it, that, that goes with saying, but it comes back to something I say quite a bit, and it's easy to talk smack when you're not in it, right? It's easy to point fingers and look down your nose at people or a situation when you're not really yourself in that situation. You can draw some conclusions and stuff, but it's easy to point fingers and stuff like that. And in Matthew 23, I, the reason I was talking about that is because Jesus was ripping into the Pharisees pretty hard, right? And I know, for me, I, I've always looked at the Pharisees as the bad guys in the whole story, right? Like, they're the ones that Jesus is always fighting with. They're always challenging Jesus on the Sabbath, right? They're challenging him on how much are we supposed to give? How much are we supposed, what are we supposed to do? They're, they're trying to trip him up, right? Because that's the role we get that they played. But who were the Pharisees? Right? And I know you're going to be like, where is he going with this? Trust me on this. Just follow the bouncing ball. So, who were the Pharisees? The Pharisees and the Sadducees. Do, does, does everybody know what the difference between the Pharisees and the Sadducees were? The Pharisees were the actual guys that taught the application of what the Sadducees taught. The Sadducees were the priests in the temple, look at it that way, and the Pharisees were the ones that taught you the, how to interpret the law that they were teaching. So when Jesus was saying, you teachers of the law and Pharisees, he's talking to the Sadducees and the Pharisees, the pair of them, right? It's a group. So the Pharisees were quite as well referred to as scribes, and they practiced a lot of the oral traditions. They believed that the Torah, the written word of God, was given to Moses with verbal instructions. And they looked at the verbal instructions that the Torah, the written word of God, the law of God, the law of Moses, they looked at that as equal. You can't have one without the other. And in a, in a lot of cases, Everything was transferred verbally from generation to generation. They were the gatekeepers of the interpretation of the law. They knew the law. They knew the Torah, inside out and backwards. Okay? They would emphasize their oral traditions. These are some of the things that they would do. They extended Jewish practices into real life. So they made it so that they, they would teach you how to apply this stuff to your everyday life. They didn't get caught up in the civil law of it, but the, the actual law of God is what they interpreted, and they would teach you how to live that. So they instilled a, a greater piety, or 
a stronger religious belief in the collective community, the Jewish community. That's what these, these people did. And they promoted a belief in the afterlife. See, so the Sadducees didn't have that strong belief in the afterlife like the Pharisees did. They really promoted that whole belief in the afterlife. But like I said, we always viewed them as these, the bad guys in the whole story, the ones that delivered Christ up, right? And their oral traditions consisted of tithing, and Jesus commented on that, that they, they get so caught up in doing all the little things, you know, putting on, the, they had boxes they would put on their, their arm that would have scripture verses in it, and they would have it on their, they put one on their chest, and it would have scripture in it because you're supposed to have Jesus on your heart, like God on your heart, right? And so they literally did that. So they were so caught up in what people were seeing that they lost sight of some of the really important things. The ritual purity, they were worried about the outward appearance and not the inward. Jesus touched on that in, in Matthew 23, verse 25. And he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! For you cleanse the outside of a cup and a dish, but, deny, but the inside are full of extortion and self-indulgence. So they're not worried about what's inside, they're worried about the outward appearance of it. So they also, by what we know, really were observing the Sabbath. And that was important, and I mean, it, rightly so, right? They the observance of the Sabbath. And they challenged Christ many times on that. And we, we, we could probably recount many of the different times they would challenge Christ on the Sabbath. So, having said all of that, their interpretations of the Torah were correct. They, 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 they weren't far off of what their interpretations of the Torah were. The oral traditions... Uh, were just as important as the Torah, right? Because it's that interpretation of the Torah. And it's because of the Pharisees that we, in part, have the written Old Testament. Because it's the, they're passing down from generation to generation that they continued to collect all of these things and it gave us what we know as the Old Testament, the Torah. So, by promoting all these things and enforcing all these things, they really, truly believed that they were helping Israel hold up their end of the bargain for the covenant with God. Right? And now I'm not going to try to paint them as the good guys because we know what they did and where they went and we have accounts of all the things that they had done to Christ to try to trip them up and stuff like that. But think about it for just a moment that they tried, they believed, they, they knew the scriptures and they believed that what they were doing was right at the time. It wasn't and we know this. And the reason I'm pointing that out is because in the passage today it's talking about the end times. And there's lots of references through the scriptures about the end times. But what do you actually know about the end times? 
And I'm going to leave that one on that shelf right there. And I'm pointing that out because right here I've got a whole bunch of pages. There's 351 Old Testament prophecies fulfilled in Christ. 351, right from the seed of a woman, right, in Genesis 3.15, to how much he would be sold for, right down to the forerunner in Malachi. There would be a forerunner that would come. What is it? Malachi, I've got it here. Malachi 4.6, the forerunner who would turn many to righteousness. So it's all laid out there. And the reason I'm pointing that out is because the Pharisees knew the Old Testament. It's because of their traditions and their verbal communication that they, we have our Old Testament. We have these accounts because of their diligence to know the Scriptures. How did they not see this? How did they miss the fact that this is the Christ? Think about it for just a minute. Just These are the guys that knew the scriptures and they missed it. Not all of them, like we hear of Nicodemus, right? Like, and and he, we never hear that he accepted Christ as, as the Messiah, but evidence shows that you know, he was the one who prepared the tomb. He was the one who looked after, you know, like he did things outside of it, and we have record of it. But how did they miss it? And that's what brings me to the question of, what do you know about the end times? Truly, in your heart, what do you know about the end times? And I say we know very little. I know I, I'm no authority on describing about all the different things going on in Revelation and all the different predictions and stuff like that. Like there's Old Testament predictions about the end times. There's New Testament predictions about the end times. And I am by no means an authority on this. But it was important enough for Christ to say it. In Matthew 24 it's recorded. In Mark 13 it's recorded. And in Luke 21 it's recorded. Now, the wording in Luke 21, verse 20, I've also heard references from that one just recently of talking about the current events going on in the Middle East. Right? Israel will be surrounded by armies. And it certainly plays well with that. But I listen to a lot of the different theories that people come up with. And, I mean... Some of them, have, our parallels are really interesting in how they, people parallel, and, and I, I call it cherry picking, right? They pick certain things and they're like, oh, that, because if you really read it, it's still talking about the destruction of the temple in Luke 21, but I'm not going to go down, we're not talking about that right now. But I listen to their arguments, and some of them are even quite compelling. But, I'm going to say this, every generation thinks this is it. Every single generation from the beginning thinks 
This is this is going to be it. This is this has got to be it. So I'm just going to read off a couple of dates here because I I I had to giggle when I was reading some of these dates, and it's about so 500 A.D. All of these are after Christ. 500, 1260, 1370, 1504. I don't know. This is a good one. February 20th, 1524. October 19th, 1533, 1673, 1694, 1700, 1757, and it goes on and on and on. September 15th, 1829, 1836, October 22nd, 1844, all the way through, all the way through history. 1891, 1914, 1915, we've got more, and it goes right up, and I've even got year 2000, everybody thought the world was going to end in the year 2000, and then it goes on, 2011, 2012, 2019, June 9th, 2019, apparently, 2020, 2020, July 22nd, 2021, these are all dates that people have predicted the world was going to end, or the millennium was going to start, or they've made these these outlandish predictions, and that has been since Christ died. So, I'm not going to make any bold statements from this podium of when the millennium is going to start or when something's going to happen. But what I will say is we need to keep our foot on the gas pedal. Right? We need to know this stuff. Because in the scripture today, when you read it, it's self-explanatory. I didn't need to do any great digging into it. But there was one word, one word that was like, it jumped out at me. And I I mean, I, I read it and I was like, now how's that supposed to be? And it's in verse 34. It says, Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away until all these things take place. So what did Jesus mean by this generation? And I immediately was like, he's talking to this group of people. So this generation. So I did do word searching because I, I love going down those rabbit holes of looking at words and what they meant and what they mean in the original context. And, and 99.999% of the time, the word written is exactly the word that was in the Bible or in the, in the, the original text. So that's why it got chosen. But it's the context of that word. So when Jesus says this generation will not pass away, he's not necessarily talking about an age like this group, our generation won't pass away. He's talking about the spirit in us, this generation, this generation of believers is not going to pass away. This will continue on and on and on until my second coming. It's a generation. We are that generation still alive today because we hold that belief. We hold fast to everything that Christ spoke of. We are believers, and we are that generation. So we need to continue on, and like I said earlier, keep our foot on the gas pedal. But more importantly, we need to keep in mind 
that there's lots of warnings for us that go with regard to the end times. See, so for somebody to start making predictions about dates and stuff like that, what did Christ say immediately after one in, in verse 36? No one knows the hour. Not even the angels. And I, so when I read that, I think to myself, it's pretty bold to think I can pinpoint a time, a date, nail it right down to an actual specific date of when this stuff's going to happen. When the angels, the angels don't even know this. Christ said he doesn't even know. Save the Father. He's the only one. So, it's like I said, self-explanatory. We don't need to go into a complete, complete breakdown of what this meant. Because Christ said it's going to be like in the days of Moses when he comes back. But he did give us things. All through scripture, God gave us little tidbits. And I think through this sermon, I'm challenging you personally to get to know what are these tidbits? What are the things? And, and it's not learning about the end times to live in this state of fear of, oh, we're going to be in turmoil. We're going to be, you know, woe to the pregnant woman. Woe. Right? Woe to the guy that don't go up if you're on the roof. Don't go down and get your clothes. No, 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 no. Get, get going to the high hills. It's not the fear of it. It's the hope. That's what we have that the rest of the world doesn't. When all these things are going to start happening, we have a hope in Christ. We have a promise that He's coming back. We know, he's even said, that because of the righteous, he's going to make this day short. He's not going to prolong our suffering. It's going to be short. We know that these things are going to happen. But how much do you know is going to happen? And we're told about false teachers that are going to be bringing heresies. Right. In Second in Peter 2.1, 2, it talks about the false teachers and how they're going to be around. And a lot of people are going to be led astray by false teachers. Do you think that's new to us? I think that's been going on for a long time. Smooth talkers come out, especially when money gets involved. They come out and they just they say and do things and, and they take the vulnerable and take the money. That's not new, but it's happening today. The gospel will be preached as a witness to all nations. Now, this was an interesting thing that I found out, that the Bible, at this point in time, okay, has been translated in 2,400 different languages. I didn't know there were that many languages. Apparently, there are. It's been translated in 2,400 different languages, not in whole, but even in part. And it covers over 90% of the world's population. That's kind of a cool fact. That's, that's new to this era, right? Is it possible for the entire world to watch an event unfold at the same time in many parts of the world? Yeah, 
that's not new to this generation, but it certainly is quicker with this generation, right? I think back to not, not long ago, 9-11, who watched 9-11 on their TV, right? I was at work and I watched it, right? We were like watching, I'm like, oh, this is, <laughs> this is not good, right? So it's, the things are a lot easier right now. Did you know that a neutron bomb melts the victims. It literally melts them. Okay? And in Zechariah 14, 12, I'm just going to read it because these are, these are the types of parallels that I'm talking about that I, I find quite intriguing that I'm not allowed to talk about in the mornings because they're too heavy a topic. <laughs> but... In Zechariah 14.12, it says, And this shall be the plague which the Lord will strike on all the people who fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh will dissolve while they stand on their feet. Their eyes shall dissolve in their sockets, and their tongues shall dissolve in their mouths. Huh. Do you think they had anything like that in Zechariah's day? How would he... like? That's like, okay, that's an, a neat parallel. It's not something that solidifies that, oh, we're in the end days, but it's interesting to know that we have the technology today that could dissolve somebody. There will be a movement to one global government. That's one of the things. Revelation 13, 7 and 8 talks about the one global government. Now that's not new to this era. We know more about it than back in the day, but you think about it, Britain, Britain was like a pushing for a one world government. We still have picture of the queen on some of our money, right? Like we're talking about, they, they controlled most of the world. Rome was one world government. They, they controlled a lot of the world at the time. So that's not something that's new to this era, but it is something that's going on. There's, You've got the UN, you've got the WEF, you've got all these other things. If you don't know who those, th those people are or those things, I'm not saying look them up to be scared, but look them up to know what they're doing, right? Like, know what they're up to. But Daniel 12 speaks of the end times, and people shall run to and for, and knowledge shall increase. Well, I, I would like to think that we're, we have a lot of, things at our disposal with Google and, and quick searches and stuff like that. We have a lot of information just on this little phone. I can look up stuff as I need to and whatnot. But I wouldn't consider that knowledge, consider that information, right? I think uh, when you think about it, I can remember 416 that was my phone number in Toronto when I was a kid. My best friend lived around the corner, and his was 416-782-4358. Because we didn't have press two for Kenny. Right? <laughs> I don't even know my own kids' phone numbers. I just say, call Jake. Oh, wait. He... <coughs> so... 
the point being is we're not really that knowledgeable, but we have access to other people's knowledge. So these are things that are going on. Matthew 24, 7 talks about deadly diseases and, and it refers to it as pestilence. Just coming out of COVID, come on. Like, that's not a hard one to connect that dot, but it's like, does it mean this is the end time? And then in Revelation, it talks about one global economy. Right? Revelation 13, 16, and 17 talks about the one global economy. You'll have the mark of the beast and you won't be able to trade, buy, sell. Right? The one global economy. And I mentioned that WEF, that's the World Economic Forum. That's that They're pushing to have that. Does that mean this is the end times? And like I said, I'm not going to be making any predictions from the, from the pulpit today of what's going on and whatnot. But you see, I look at it from this perspective. Sin is very repetitious. There's nothing new under the sun. Right? We think we're all smart. We're all that much more sophisticated than the previous. But... At the end of the day, we're sinful and we're fallen. And if you really think about it, the Pharisees and Sadducees had 351 Old Testament prophecies that were filled in Christ, and they missed it. They got caught up in themselves. They didn't see the, this. Oh, wow, look, remember, we talked about this one. We know this one. The scripture we read today was in verse 38 but of that day, or verse 36 of that day and hour no one knows not even the angels in heaven but my father only but it also says when you see these things know that the time is near but if every generation sees these things and we're to assume the time is near what does that mean you know what I, 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 I get from this? Is that means we're to keep our foot on the gas pedal. That means that we're to live in a perpetual state of readiness. I'm ready. I'm ready for my Christ to come. I'm ready. Let him come today. I, it doesn't matter to me. I'm not caught up in the stuff. I'm not caught up in what date is he going to come? Am I going to be ready? No, I'm ready now, right now. If he comes right now, I'm ready. Because he's going to come when you least expect it. And you need to be ready. That's what you get from the scripture today. It's going to be like in the day of Mo uh, Noah, right? Everybody thought the man was nuts. He's out building a boat in the desert. Right? They weren't ready. They didn't believe it. All the signs were there. Noah was telling them. And, nope, he's crazy. And then, it, not until the flood came and took them away. So don't let the flood come and take you away. I, I'm thinking about things like don't compromise. Right? Don't compromise. And 
I am going to turn to Revelation in this portion. And it's a, they're compromising church. What are they compromising? They're compromising their integrity. The, the, they're compromising their sexual immorality. That's a relevant topic for today. Sexual immorality is running rampant through society. Don't become corrupt or sexually immoral. Right? Don't become impure. Don't become the lukewarm church because God will spew you out. Don't become the dead church. Become the faithful church. Become the loving church. Don't become like the Pharisees who lost sight of who Christ was. They lost sight of that. They got so caught up in the legalistic jargon and stuff that they were doing that they forgot who they were waiting for. They didn't pause to take a look at it and say, hang on, wait a second, I see some parallels going here. I challenge you to read it and to know it. Read about the end times. Know about the end times. Read about things that are going on in society today. Know what the world is doing. But more importantly, be ready. Ready your hearts. Because Christ said, you know not the hour when the Master returns. So be ready. And if someone pitches you a line, you'll recognize it. You'll be like, meh, nah, not so much. I don't believe that one. Right? And I'm going to close with Revelation 1 to 3. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. And he sent, signified it by his angel and his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it. For the time is near. Amen. Father God, we thank you for revealing yourself to us. We thank you that we can be counted among your saints and we ask you, Father, to help us keep the foot on the gas pedal. Help us to continue to go ahead. Help us to have the strength to endure whatever it is you have us to endure. Strengthen our hearts, our minds, and our souls. Go before us each and every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.